Secrets to Real Estate Investing, Episode 57. Welcome to the Secrets to Real Estate Investing podcast by House Flip Masters, where you will learn powerful strategies from top experts in real estate investing, and you will find valuable information to take your investments to the next level. Now, here's your host and expert real estate investor, Holly McCann. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Secrets to Real Estate Investing. We have a great guy from the other side of the country from me today by the name of Tyler Sheff from CashflowGuys.com, who is here today to share his story and his real estate path and how he started kind of getting some of his money back from the government that was taking way too much of it. And with that, welcome to the show, Tyler. Hey, how you doing, Holly? Thanks for having me. So glad to have you here to share your tips today. So why don't you give our listeners some insight into kind of your life and what led you to discover the world of real estate investing? Well, I was one of those guys that I've been a realtor for coming up on 18 years now. I got my license back in 2000 originally. and, And I was one of those people that believed that if I got my real estate license, it would help me be a better real estate investor. And then I found out that was wrong. <laughs> so I, I hooked up with some partners and we started fixing and flipping houses. And we started kind of in the middle price points, you know, the middle class houses and and decided that we could do more faster if we dealt with the cheaper houses. And I don't know what the logic was back then. but <laughs> Higher volume. Bad. Sounds cooler to say you're doing twice as many, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing 20 flips. <laughs> Who knew? But... Um, we did well in flipping, I'll be honest. And it was back, that's going all the way back to like year 2000 when it really wasn't public then. That's back when the MLS, at least locally, was pretty much a book. It was a, I don't even think it was a website back then. It was some, like a facsimile type thing. And you printed it out. Wow. <laughs> and yeah, I did a, we did quite a few flips and we had some problems with a partner that left the country with a bunch of money. And we've basically got everything that you would see on home and garden television, except for the big win at the end. (laughs) But, um, so I got out of flipping and focused on buy and hold for me. I was kind of a a accidental landlord by greed. In other words, when I was flipping at that time, getting into like 2004, the property values were going up at a rate of about 25% per year. So I was fixing these houses and selling them. And then I'm finding people are also, those people I sold them to are selling them again in 12 months and making a killing. So being the greedy capitalist that I am, I decided that I would not sell as many and just keep them and rent them. And that worked out well. But um, I got to the point to where I decided I wanted to sell them all because I was at that age. I wanted to travel, have some fun. I wanted my money. I didn't want small monthly payments at the time. Didn't make much sense to me. So I sold them all and I didn't allow for capital gains tax. Whoops. So I got a very large paycheck and then a very large bill that resulted in uh, a tax lien that I had to deal with. And it took me several years to pay that off. (laughs) So that kind of, I didn't get, I was not a victim of the housing crash. Thank goodness. I sold my properties right at the right time. That was not really on purpose. That was just because I wanted the money. It's not like I was Yoda and I could predict the future or something like that or some wise wise spirit. I just decided that uh, it was time to sell because I wanted a big pile of money. And I 
I got lucky and I sold at the right time. But then again, I had that big tax bill. So wow, is, is what it is. Well, a lot of our uh, listeners are people that want to learn about flipping. And I know you're no longer a flipper, but I'd love for you to share, if you would, like a sample deal and, and how much money, you know, that was possible that you made when you were flipping back in the day. We got systems down pretty quick, a couple of us. And, and I had the ability, I had learned early on to focus less on what's for sale and more on what's not for sale. And by doing that, I found a lot of off-market opportunities. Even though I was a realtor, the MLS was clumsy back then. Not that it's really improved that much, but so I I started getting some off-market opportunities where we would buy houses. I would just make offers to see how low I could go. (laughs) Like a sport, huh? (laughs) Yeah, it was a sport and and offers so low that people sometimes would like, like literally throw the offer at me and get out of my house. It was entertainment back then. It was something to do, but shockingly enough, a great number of those got accepted. I mean, I can remember one where it was in St. Petersburg, which is the area where we live. And I offered them $10,000 for this house. And they, the reason why they sold it to me, they, they accepted the offer is because it had a $5,000 tax lien on it to them. So besides being a great deal, it's a great learning experience for me to them. $5,000 was an insurmountable hill. They could, they could climb they had no idea how they could get $5,000 together to pay that bill, that Hmm. bill. So for them selling it to me and walking away with 10 grand made total sense. And because I focused in on their problem, I said, what happens when the County takes this house for taxes? How does that feel? I had that conversation with them. They say, that's terrible. Where are you going to get the five grand? We went through the dialogue of, will you loan it to us? No. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, um, I can't do that. I mean, that's kind of silly, but I can give you 10,000 if you give me the deed and I'll pay the tax bill. And that worked out very well. The benefit there is that the, that was the only liens on the property. And I was able to flip that thing, turn key for $75,000 as it sat. Wow. So you, when you say as it sat, that means you didn't do work to it. Not at all. I wow. installed a sign. I put a, I did put a for sale sign in the front yard, so I did do some work. Okay, and you probably yeah. paid the tax lien, right? I did. So I paid fifteen thousand total. Okay. Plus closing costs, so a little bit of closing costs. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe like fifteen, but let's just say sixteen thousand to buy it, right? Okay. And I sold it for seventy five thousand. Seventy five five is what I sold it for, and I sold it three days later. Oh my gosh, that is crazy good. That's Here's very the funny inspirational. part. <laughs> now back then. See, I didn't have the benefit. I didn't know there was such a thing as real estate gurus or guru courses or any of that stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, the inter- believe it or not, there was a time, the inter- I'm sure you might remember, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but I am. The internet didn't exist back then. So at least I didn't know about it. So I didn't really know what I was doing and nobody told me that I could assign a contract. I didn't learn that in real estate school. So I was buying these. I thought, this is cool. I started buying houses. I would do nothing to them and I would turn around and resell them. Essentially, I was wholesaling by today's standards, right. but I was smart enough to realize that I didn't have to actually buy the house. <laughs> I just needed to get a contract and assign my rights to the contract. So I kept title companies in business for a while. Nice. <laughs> I love it. So you built up some cash reserves or some cash piles from flipping yep. and lead us to what happened next. And 
like how you, I mean, obviously you decided to sell, you, you said that part of the story, yeah. but um, the whole buy and hold thing, how did you decide that that was okay to do? Well, for me, there, I took a break in real estate. I got out of it for when the market, so I did the sell off and all that. And I, the market was just getting ridiculous. People were back then were fist fighting over properties. And I didn't think that was something I wanted to play with. So I no. got out of it for a couple of years. And my, I had a business, a trucking business that was having difficulty uh, because the fuel prices were up and all the issues that they had with the crisis back then. So my wife and I decided that it would be a good idea for me to get a real job. And I went to work for the federal government as a merchant mariner. I worked oh. for uh, the National Weather Service basically on a ship. Hmm. I've heard awesome. that's good money. Is that good money? Great money. It's great <laughs> money. So I went from making 40, 50, 60 a year to well into the six figures. Wow. Which was great. The problem was I was getting taxed to death. Um, I was paying in taxes what a lot of people make a year. 40, 50, 60, $70,000 in income tax. Oh, because a lot of my income was overtime. Yeah. And I'm not a tax guy. I'm just a cash flow guy. Now I wasn't the tax guy. I don't know anything about taxes and I don't want to know anything about taxes. So I was Google searching how to reduce my taxes legally because I was the guy that didn't necessarily declare all my house sales way back in the day. And I got caught because I didn't know that title companies actually sent that information to the IRS. <laughs> So I, I filled out what I thought I made and apparently I was off by a couple zeros. Oops. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. And I paid my taxes. I, 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 pay, I, I didn't pay my taxes and I got hit with a big fine and, and penalties and all that. So lesson learned. Now I do things by the book. So they, their enforcement actions work because they sold me. They, they turned me straight. But um, this time I wanted to do it straight up and legal. And what I learned is that if I just keep the property, that there are a, a whole new pile of exemptions available to me as a landlord that I never knew existed before. One of those being passive income losses, which means if, if I spend at least 700 and some odd hours, I think it's 150 hours uh, engaged in real estate investing activities, not being a realtor, just investing in, in real estate that I can qualify for certain tax exemptions that other people don't qualify for. And when I talked to, I hired a good CPA finally, and not, not, I didn't hire the cheapest CPA. I hired the best around and they said, absolutely. But here's the problem. You can't have that big income and still qualify for that exemption, that W2 income. You, you can't, you, you can't have the W2 income. So you got to quit your job. So then that was a tough decision. My wife and I were talking about it. It's like, I was the breadwinner and it was tough to walk away from a six figure cushy government job. But, I wasn't keeping six figures. That was the thing I had to realize, you know, I was giving so much money to the government. We all know what they do with it. I could tell you what they did with it. Cause I worked, I was one of the people that was spending it. They actually gave me a federal budget. If you can imagine that. Wow. But um, I quit and I went full-time into real estate. I walked away from a six figure government job, went full-time in, back into real estate again. What year and was it's that? Been a bumpy room. That was 2014. Okay. So Not from that there, yeah. No, I did some wholesales and um, I almost did a flip, and then I slapped myself in the wrist and decided that if I'm gonna stay, I gotta stay focused, I, because I really wanted to build wealth. I, I wanted passive income. That's what I needed to get. 
that was important to me is to not have to go out and beat the pavement. So I started buying, I started talking to other people and getting other people on board, kind of a movement. And I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all the other books that he's put out, which I highly recommend, by the way. Uh-huh. And those books were just game changers for me. It changed my entire mindset. And once I realized that if I invest the way the government wants or the IRS rather wants me to invest, then I can almost eliminate my tax bill. And the IRS says that if you just buy property and keep it, if you provide housing for other people, if you are a purveyor of housing, that is one of the ways you can eliminate your tax bill. They also like it when you invest in oil and gas, but I don't have enough money for that, I guess. So I just started keeping the properties and becoming a landlord. Wow. Kind of the rest is history. So you live in Florida and where do you do, where do you hold your rentals? Is it all near you? How far away or where do you do that? I'm in two States. I've got a couple properties here in the Tampa Bay market. And then I've got a couple properties up in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. And I invest strictly for cash flow now. Uh, I do do some wholesale deals from time to time. I'll be honest, I do do those. And that's generally when, if I'm in negotiations on a deal and I, I can get a deal for somebody that maybe doesn't have the same opportunity in front of them right now, I'll go ahead and, and get it under contract with the understanding the seller understands that I'm going to sign it to a friend and that's true to the letter. So I will negotiate on their behalf and then I get my assignment fee and everybody's happy. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. If you're seeing opportunity and it's not the perfect fit for you, why not use the relationships and knowledge that you have to help someone else and be compensated for it? I'm a firm believer in that. Why not? Yeah. I should always be compensated for the value that you add. So great. So, You've got uh, rental properties nearby and then in Memphis. Do you have team on the ground in Memphis or do you go there yourself? How much do you go there? What's that look like? I don't have to go to Memphis. I've been there once um, recently because, well, actually not even recently. I, I've got a fantastic team, i got to say. I've, I've kissed some frogs along the way. I've met some real, the, I've met some very challenging individuals. I'll leave it there. there, there. Oh. <laughs> property managers, contractors, the like. But now that we've, we're through all that, we've found some really rock solid people, people that we can trust. And they we're proud that they're like family to us and they help us manage our portfolio and keep our renovations in line. And I can invest. It's pretty cool that I can invest in, a, in three states away and I don't have to worry about getting taken advantage of. That's, that's huge for me. That's absolutely so, awesome. Yeah, yeah that's been great. I've experienced both, you know, people that were lying to me and ripping me off on my project in Texas once and so painful. Like, how could they lie to me? They said they were trying to lease my places and they wouldn't show it to my mystery shopper even when they pointed to the unit and said, can I see that one? No, that's not available. (laughs) Uh, And I'm such a honest person. I think everyone else is too. So that was kind of a big, you know, eye opener. And it's, it's painful that not everybody has the same ethics that you do. I'm assuming good ethics, you know, that... Yeah, it's, but definitely the whole trust, but verify. And it's still, you need to check up on people when you hire them, even when you think they're good to make sure they're doing their job. Uh, that's for sure. Cause yeah. there's unfortunately a lot of frogs out there. <laughs> and sometimes like my, some of my friends that, um, that are flippers like me, they'll say, Oh, this contractor has been great um, for a year. And now they're starting to slack off and not perform. So it's, it's great to keep your team on their toes, I'm sure. 
Well, why don't, sure. you, why don't you tell us about, you know, maybe a, a recent deal or two in the last year or so, like what those look like, what you're buying them for, what the cash flow is, what, what types of properties that you think are good for people to get, or there are certain number parameters. So I just threw a whole lot of questions at you. So go, <laughs> pick, pick your, pick your yeah, thing. Ready, set, go. <laughs> I'm a big believer in multifamily real estate. Oh, and the reason okay. over single family, as far as buy and hold goes. And the reason being is, no, well, number one, at least in Florida, I know you're out in California, but in Florida, our market is through the ceiling. I think yours is too. And it's very difficult to be able to acquire a property, a single family property at a price point that will allow you to earn cash flow, positive cash flow, because the, the property values are what they are. I know in California, I've heard where people have, you know, you buy a two, two bedroom, one bath house for 900 grand, then it still needs work. It's like, what? <laughs> I've heard some of those. have an ocean view, but yes, that right. is possible. Yeah, <laughs> that's not possible in Florida, even with an ocean view. <laughs> okay, you've got a lot more ocean view homes than we do, though, that's for sure. That's right. So what I found is that multifamily works really well for my criteria. And the reason being is it, it's a lower risk model. Now I'm in, I'm coming up on, on 50 here in a couple of years, and I'm starting to look at reducing my risk, mitigation of risk. And I find that with multifamily, when I've got more than one family paying into an asset, covering debt service, covering expenses, it lowers my risk exposure dramatically. When the roof goes, I've got at least four families paying for it instead of one. My vacancy loss is diminished. When people leave, people don't, you know, if one person moves out, no big deal. The way I underwrite my deals, I can usually lose half of my tenants and still pay all the bills at least half my tenants. Nice. I'm ultra conservative. Does that mean I do a lot of deals? No, I don't do a lot of deals, but I do high quality deals. And that's what's more important to me. Um, so although I'll just, I may do one deal all year, it's a great one when I do. So a recent one, a couple of years ago, that really rings true. This is like my home run deal that I've done. It was a fourplex. And I bought it at the time because I was under contract on duplex that was on the ocean, ironic. That was my wife's dream house. She grew up with a, her best friend, lived in the house next door to this place. Perfect view. It's right in the Gulf of Mexico. It's gorgeous. And there were two one-bedroom apartments. Well, long story short, the we negotiated a great deal with the seller. He got seller's remorse. And, so, and even though we we're under contract, sold it out from under us to somebody else while we lived there. So instead of suing him and getting on, I'm not a litigious type person, whatever, if you want us to go, we'll go. We now had to find a place to live. So we looked around feverishly for another place to live and actually came to this fourplex that I'm talking about because we needed an apartment because the guy was like, you got to go. Thanks for being a great tenant, but I've already sold it and they want to raise the rent. So you got to go. So when I called the owner, Ironically, it was for sale and she didn't have a sign out front. She's a realtor. She was a realtor, which is interesting. 30 years in the business. But this place looked like a tornado hit it. I mean, it was nasty. And I remember my wife looking at me going, I'm not going to live here. <laughs> it's like, great. But it's in our town. It's in, a, it's in the right neighborhood. It's just that this is the ugly duckling in the neighborhood. So in talking to this lady, I find the seller, I find out that obviously it's for sale and... We, I talked to my wife and I said, well, maybe we should just buy this thing. So I bought it with a VA mortgage and I put none of my own money down. So even, you know, VA mortgages are zero money down, right. but there's usually closing costs of some degree. And in my case, it was about $7,000 in closing costs. 
Well, at the time, uh, I didn't. I was about six thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars short of the seven thousand I needed for a down payment to buy this property, <laughs> because I had worked it out on the last deal that I didn't need a down payment. We were going to work the paperwork out. The seller was going to hold a second. Everything was fine. So we didn't have any money in savings at the time. Uh, as embarrassing as this is, is to admit, it is what it is. So that said, um, I made a deal with the title company with the lender the seller and a friend of mine was a realtor at the time and I was in the process of renewing my license. Everybody jumped on the table and helped me basically put a little money into this deal. So not only did I buy this with none of my own money, I actually walked out of there with a check for $1,700. So is that kind of like a crowdfunding deal? (laughs) Yeah. What made it interesting though is that I still had an ugly property with one unit vacant and then the tenants that were there, two out of three of the tenants found out, don't know how, the night before I bought it, that I was a former police officer. Oh. And I have a zero tolerance for drugs. So they got uncomfortable and moved, which was so convenient. I just don't know how that word got out. But, you know, people talk. What can you do? <laughs> and they moved out in the middle of the night, which was great because now I had three units I could renovate and one left. So fast forward to 2017, I now have two of those units as a vacation rental, a short-term rental with the Airbnb type thing. And I live in one unit with my wife and I rent the other unit out to a long-term tenant who's extremely happy there. So it's been a home run for us. Sweet. Are you willing to share any of the basic numbers of that one? Yeah. So we, the, the I'm most proud about the short-term rentals, when we bought the property, it was renting for 575 for one unit. One unit was vacant. The other two were renting for 600. We renovated it and I immediately raised the rents to $900 on all the units. And then one of the tenants lives out of state. So he was the one that's been here the longest. He, him, I did not raise the rent initially, but he was only here three months out of the year. And I started learning about Airbnb. So I'd said to him, you know, he was to the point he was asking for repairs and admittedly his was the only unit that didn't get renovated because he was living there so he said hey what would it take to get my apartment renovated i said well how about this while you're gone i'm going to have you put all your stuff in storage i will completely renovate your apartment you're going to pay me a thousand dollars a month while you're here using the property but the rest of the time i get to short-term rental it i will furnish it i will put cable internet the whole nine yards in there so you get it for three months a thousand bucks a month and which is a deal in this market. And then I get to run it the rest of the time and I get to keep all the money. And he said, deal. So basically I used his money for that rent money for the rehab, which was perfect because it was a light rehab, didn't need much. And uh, that unit last mo- month before last did over $3,000 by itself. Wow. Yeah. I love it. I so, come for you. Yeah, this one, I'm averaging between five to $6,000 a month in, in net cash flow off this one property. Sweet. Which is a home run. Because, you know, you, with Airbnb, you get all these extra stuff. You get cleaning fees, you get uh, charge extra for people. I mean, it's crazy how much money you can make off of this stuff. And especially in California. Goodness. Yeah. That's so. awesome. That's a really exciting thing. Man, you have a wide array i'm gonna say a wide background of experience from kind of the flipping to the wholesaling to the long-term rental and now vacation rental where's your future plan kind of like what's your goals and where are you where are you going next what are you doing now 
well, we're on the uh, the fast track, the five year plan where we want to just basically get prepare for retirement. At this point, we need we need to add more properties to our portfolio. I mean, we're very comfortable where we are, but we want to do better, so we're going to add more properties to the mix. Kind of a mix, a delicate mix of the long term and short term model, so we can cover both markets because. Honestly, the short terms are so darn profitable. I, I just can't turn a blind eye to them and um, keep doing that and then start winding things down. I, I want to eventually sell Cashflow Guys, our brand, Cashflow Guys, a couple of years down the road and be totally done in five years, sit on a beach somewhere. That's the goal. Nice. Well, so, do you live near a beach now? Yeah, I'm about two, three miles away from the beach. But you, you just want to be at a beach all the time, huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I could fish every day, you know, not because I have to, just because I want to, that would right. be... That's the, the dream, huh? That's yeah. cool. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, for I always think this is an interesting question. Is your wife involved in the business? Does she like it or is she not involved? Because a lot of people will ask, you know, is this a good thing to do with the spouse or not so much? Does it depend? What's your take on all that? And how is it for you? I think spouse buy-in is critical. Without it, um, it would. I, I don't know how I would do it, number one. I <laughs> If we were coexisting and I was doing all this and she was doing something else or didn't want to be involved in this, that would be, it would be difficult. It would definitely be difficult. Fortunately, she's very supportive. Is she involved with any of the management or operations at all? She is. She's much better at the numbers and mathematics. She's smarter than I am. Let's leave it. It is what it is. She's smarter Good for than I am. you. I'm okay to admit that. I don't mind admitting that. So she's really good at that stuff. So she does what she's good at. I do what I'm good at. I enjoy the negotiating the sales piece. I enjoy finding the, the opportunities. And she's really good at seeing it finished. I'm not a visionary. I'm a financial visionary. I can look at a property and go, I can make it generate this. Mm-hmm. But, but I can't tell you what it looks like. But my wife, Jill, she can look at a property and go, here's exactly how it will look. And here are the people that will want to stay here. And she's uh. right. Yeah, she's got that vision. I don't have that vision. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I, I have my husband involved in, I'm happy to say he's smarter than me at a lot of stuff. <laughs> I could say almost everything. But yeah, it's so awesome to have some kind of partner in a business. And if not a partner that's financially with you, like a husband or wife, at least someone that you can bounce ideas off of and yes. that you can ask questions to. I find huge value in um for instance, I'm, I'm on an email mastermind list and we meet once a month in Huntington Beach. We met today, saw our mutual friend, Jay Massey there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so great. You know, there's 20 of us there today talking about, I'll say pretty advanced tax strategies and planning and what's coming down maybe from Trump and what people are doing. And it is so valuable to have at least one, if not a group of people to bounce ideas off of. It's a tough business to do isolated alone in your own little bubble. So yeah, sure. I'm so happy that you have your wife as part of your team and, and that you That's still like enough. each other. Sometimes I wanted to fire my husband and yes, I said that out loud. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's so cool. We're getting near the end of our show here. So what else would you like to talk about and what advice would you like to give our listeners who are either already real estate investors or, or just looking into it and dabbling? Give us I'd like to tell them, to stop thinking about it and get started. The, the biggest thing that holds people back is analysis paralysis. And if, if they find people like you that have a lot of experience in real estate or in uh, flipping houses and they want to flip houses, find somebody that is already doing it 
okay, that has made the mistakes. That's the thing. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if somebody tells you that they've got all the answers and they don't ever make any mistakes and they're never doing wrong and everything works flawlessly, run screaming the other direction. <laughs> yeah, well, it might be true, but maybe they haven't done enough deals. I've exactly. lost a ton of money on some deals. So yeah, yeah. I've been there. You can't, I, I don't know anyone that's done 200 houses and never lost any money on a house. So yeah, that makes me want to take a nap just thinking about 200 houses. <laughs> <laughs> but you, and you learn the most sometimes from the ones that are failures, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Those are the ones I definitely learned the most from without a doubt. So yeah, take action and take action immediately because here's the thing, your government is not going to take care of you. You think? Yeah. <laughs> are you sure? We are broke. We are broke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm really excited about the download we're going to have for this show that you're giving our listeners about oh, yes. phone negotiation. So give us a little commercial rundown for that. Like what people are going to see on that and maybe what led you to create this. So the phone negotiation script, I'm a big believer in taking on mentors. So Jay Masty is one of my mentors. Larry Harbolt is a, has become a like, family. He's like a dad to me. He's been in the business 37 years. He's taken me under his wing and, and trained me in negotiating and skills like that. So with his help, I have created a cheat sheet. I've gotten his permission to share some of his stuff that he's been doing for decades, uh, which I'm telling you works. We've put this together in a cheat sheet and we're giving it away to your audience. Um, it's mind blowing stuff. It's cool stuff. You're going to really learn how to overcome objections. And when they say this, you say that give you a couple different things. So it's great to help you get comfortable and, and uh, get out there and take some action. I love it. Can we do one typical thing? Like what's a common thing that a seller, prospective seller would say and, and what's the right thing to sell back? I mean, I'm sorry, to say back. So that's one. Well, for example, when somebody says, I want, I, I, I only want cash. I'm not interested in any kind of terms or payments or anything like that. Oh, okay. That's cool. I totally understand. So obviously I don't carry suitcases of cash with me. I can write you a check. That's, we, that's how we do things these days. You understand or we do a wire transfer, but I have a question for you. So when we send the wire, should we send one wire or two? And then you say nothing and they're going to get all quiet. Look at you go, why would you send two? Well, we both know that you're going to give probably half this money to the IRS. So I can send it to them directly for you, or I can send you all the money. You can write them a check for, because with a cash purchase, you're probably going to pay capital gains. I'm no CPA, but a lot of people do. And Oh, and I'll need you to sign an addendum that says that you understand that I'm not taking advantage of you by giving you cash. Oh had, my gosh, you are I've, blowing my mind. I I've had it. people give me, get me, in, you know, they get mad at me when they get the tax bill. It's not my fault. Oh, oh <laughs> and you're willing to help them out. You have a solution. I'm a team player. Yeah, Holly. you want to help them. I, know. I am. I love it. <laughs> so if you're if you're kind of new into the whole real estate game. What Tyler's saying is, of course, he would rather have a longer time or term to pay off the house he's buying from someone rather than giving him cash up front. And this little script and strategy he just said is a way to let the seller see the light of what might actually be better for them. But it's a win-win for everyone to not give them a lump sum of cash on day one. So cool. Love it. All right. So in order for people to get this download, okay, listeners, we have our way that you can just simply send me a text. You can text to 38470. That's 38470. You're going to text the word hard hat. 
as in Hard Hat Holly. No spaces, just text Hard Hat and we will have you um, just put in your email address there and we'll email you this awesome phone negotiation cheat sheet, compliments of Tyler. And also you can find it on our website as always at hardhatholly.com forward slash 57, where we'll have all the show notes. You can get the download there and I'm gonna put the contact information for Tyler there. But Tyler, go ahead and say the best way for people to find you, get in touch with you and talk about your podcast. The best way to reach me is through my website at cashflowguys.com. It's just cashflowguys.com. And then uh, that's also the easiest way to listen to my podcast. I've got some training videos, negotiation tactics, things that you'll need as far as the buying and selling of, of the transactions and stuff like that. That's all available there right on cashflowguys.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tyler. This has been awesome. Loved hearing your story and your wide background. I didn't know you were a cop. You just keep throwing these things out. Realtor, cop, maritime (laughs) marine, um, cash flow guy. Next thing you know, you're going to tell me you're like a trapeze artist or something. I don't know. (laughs) No, I've got no skills in that department. (laughs) But you can do everything else. I'm impressed. So with that, thank you so much, Tyler. We really appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, get out there and take some action. If you found value in today's episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. You can find our show notes at our website, houseflipmasters.com, on the podcast page. Also, to get our top tips for finding deals without spending lots of money, go to houseflipmasters.com for your free download today.